are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. Pastor uh, kind of let the cat out of the bag already, but... Uh, it was uh, driving up here last night was a little bit surreal for me. It was just a little over 40 years ago that I was in Cold Lake. In fact, I was in the graduating class of Grand Center High School, 1976. In fact, I was the trike race champion that year. Oh, I think I was, or maybe I came second. I don't remember. It's all a blur now. But anyway, it's, uh, it's an absolute thrill to be back here. And when I was uh, living in Cold Lake from 73 to 76, I was not serving Jesus. And I never would have dreamed that uh, some 30-some years later that I would be here speaking in a church in Cold Lake. That's amazing how God takes our lives. And you all know Neil Campbell, right? Neil comes regularly. He's just a fantastic brother, good friend of mine. You know, Neil actually prayed for me and a bunch of other guys when we were out drinking and getting into trouble back then. And he prayed for me, and I bumped into him in a ministerial probably 20 years ago. He went, Swinimer, what are you doing here? And he'd been praying for, for us back during those years, and so God definitely answered, uh, answered his prayers. So that was awesome. Anyway, I'm going to just, um, I want to do a couple things this morning. I'm very grateful to Pastor Lance for allowing me to come and just share a little bit about our ministry, which is primarily in Europe, and mainly in Eastern Europe. I'm with an organization called Next Level International, but I'm actually a PAOC missionary that's been uh, seconded to NLI. And uh, my family and I, we've been living in Europe now for about 14 years, working with, um, with NLI, and it has been a joy and a delight for us to be involved in many nations throughout Eastern Europe, planting, planting churches and training leaders. And I'll tell you a little bit more about why we, why we do that, but we've, uh, we've worked in many nations, in Poland and Slovakia, Czech Republic, Romania, all throughout Eastern Europe, and in the last uh, 10 years, more in Ukraine Russia and Crimea. Anyone heard of those nations? Crimea particularly has been in the news. I'll tell you a little bit more about that. And then recently, I've been spending more time in Germany, and that's a project I'm going to share with you today as well. So what I want to do this morning is I want to tell you a little bit about the work that we do and the kind of people that we work with. I hope you don't get bored with missionary slideshows, but I'm going to show you a few slides and later I've got a video, and uh, it's, it's a great um, honor that Pastor Lance has given to allow you to sow into the work that we do this morning. As I share some of the stories, I pray that you'll actually get a greater vision for Europe. Sometimes people think of Europe, Europe needing missionaries, but I'll tell you what, it's a very, very dark place now spiritually. And it's interesting because probably many of us, if we were to trace our our backgrounds and our ancestors, we would discover that our ancestors hail from Europe. How many people here, let me just see your hands, your ancestors come from Europe? Probably most of us. In fact, my ancestors actually came from Germany. And I was even born there when my dad was in the Air Force. And, um, and so, you know, I think like Nehemiah, who had been called to go back to the land of his forefathers and to rebuild the walls and to restore the gate... I believe that, that that same anointing is on the Canadian church to really sow into what God is doing in the nations of Europe and to spiritually rebuild the walls and to restore the gates there. And it would be just an awesome, awesome privilege to have you um, join with us today in that, even for this great privilege. I thank you for that. So, as I've already said, uh, Europe is a, a pretty dark place spiritually. It's incredible that this... This land, this continent that was once responsible for sending missionaries all over the world now has become so dark. It's a tragedy that when you go through, I, I live in, in Britain, and many old churches in Britain, they've now either become museums or they're just absolutely empty, or in, can, in many cases, they've been converted into mosques or Sikh temples. I mean, it's a, it's a tragedy when you see how, how Europe has slidden spiritually. There's many different um, uh, surveys that have been done. Some estimate that there's less than 2% evangelical believers Europe-wide. In some nations, it's well less than 1% evangelical, evangelical Christians, born-again Christians. And uh, whether, it's, uh, whether it's 2% or a little bit more than that, the, the fact of the matter is the statistics 
are shockingly low. Shockingly low. Well, it's one thing to know what the problem is. It's another thing to come up with a solution. Would you like to hear the solution? We have a solution. And it's to see hundreds and thousands of dynamic, spirit-filled, Holy Ghost, uh, alive churches all over Europe. That's the solution. That's the solution. Churches like this. I love the atmosphere. Love the atmosphere in this place. And uh, we want to see churches that are engaging their community. And so that's our dream, and that's our mandate that the Lord has given to us to see hundreds and, yea, even thousands of churches over the next many years uh, planted all over Europe, churches that will impact and engage with their community, that will bring the power of God and the kingdom of God into their communities. What do you think? Is it a good dream? It's a good dream. And so let me tell you some stories this morning about some of the people that I work with. Now, first of all, this is where I work. That's kind of Europe, according to NLI. And we've divided it into a bunch of different regions, and I actually am a part of the PAOC Eurasia lead team as well, and we were kind of focused in many different parts of, of Europe as well. And we've uh, divided Europe into a bunch of different regions, but the big green region to the east is where I've been focusing most of my time over the last eight to 10 years. Uh, doing church planting projects and seeing some great things happen out there. And that little circle there, that little area that's circled, that's Crimea. And of course, Crimea has much been in the news over the last uh, year and a half as there has been a, a change of administration in that, in that land. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm being a little cagey in terms of how I say that. But as, you, as we've watched the news, of course, there was a change of, of a government there and... Uh, and uh, we have been working in Crimea for many uh, uh, years, and uh, even in spite of all the changes there and many difficulties, prices have gone up, people have lost their jobs, um, it's, it's a difficult situation there right now, and yet, um, of course, you can see some of the things that went on during the uh, time of the referendum. It was sad because our Ukrainian and Russian friends have worked together and they, they've been in churches together for many years, but the, the whole referendum, it did bring conflict. In fact, um, can you imagine in some of the churches that we worked with there, they had members of the Ukrainian military and members of the Russian military in the same church. What do you think, Hayward? How would you like to pastor a church through that, eh? Two, two, two groups that are effectively, uh, you know, at uh, odds with each other, and yet the churches had to pastor the people through that. But in spite of all the difficulties, the, the church of Jesus Christ is absolutely moving on in a wonderful way. Now, if you were to ask me what I do, I would tell you my job description is this. I support heroes. That's what I do. I support heroes. We work with some of the most courageous men and women on the planet who are out in towns and cities and, and villages planting new churches for Christ and, see, and discipling people. And this is one of those heroes. His name is Andre. Now, Andre has a dream to plant many churches amongst a group of people called the Tatars. Has anybody ever heard of the Tatars? Let me just see your hands. Okay. So the Tatars, they're a Muslim group that uh, kind of originally hailed from Crimea, and they were exiled to many of the stand nations during communist times. And over the last 20 years, they have migrated back by the thousands. And our Russian and Ukrainian friends living in Crimea were quite concerned because they actually have, the, the Muslims, they actually had a, a, a plan to see Crimea become a Muslim republic. Uh, many of the Arab nations have poured a whole pile of money into the land and they've built 400 mosques over 10 years in every town, city, village, all throughout Crimea. Like They're very serious about seeing it become a, a Muslim uh, uh, state. And so our solution is to see many vibrant new churches established amongst, uh, amongst this Tatar uh, community. And so Andre, he's planting many churches amongst the Tatars, but one of the things I absolutely love when you're working with the Lord or you're working for the Lord and, we're, and we're, we're working to extend his kingdom, I love it that before we ever show up, Jesus is already at work. I mean, this is a really neat story, this next one. Uh, Andre heard about a group of Tatar believers in, in a small town in the center of uh, Crimea, and he went to investigate. And of course, he ended up discipling them, and there's a church there now. But when he went to investigate, he discovered that this lady here was the very first believer in Isa. They call him Isa. 
They called Jesus Esau. She was the very first believer in Esau in her village. And her story is quite remarkable. Uh, Tatar families are quite large. They have uh, big families. And, uh, and when she was giving birth to her sixth child, a little boy, there was all kinds of complications that set in during the birthing process. And to make a long story short, while the baby was born healthy, Aaliyah ended up in a coma for two months. And so after two months, the doctors decided that she was effectively brain dead and that she was not going to come out of her coma. And so they said, okay, they brought her husband in. They said, listen, tomorrow we're going to remove your wife from life support. And so he actually went out and dug her grave, which is in the, in the Muslim tradition. And um, the next morning, before they had a chance to unplug her, Aaliyah woke up out of her coma. I was a bit lucky, don't you think? <laughs> Good timing. And so she, she woke up. And she was all excited, and she said, call my doctors. I want to meet my doctors. And they said, well, Aaliyah, okay, but why do you want to meet your doctors? She said, well, when I was in my coma, she said, I don't know how this works, but there were times I was aware of things going on around me and things being said, and, and I don't know how, I don't know whether it was a dream or a vision, but just, just like two days ago or however long it was, a, a doctor came into my room, and he came over, and he touched me on the shoulder, and he said, Aaliyah, you're going to be fine. You're going to live. Everything's going to be okay. I knew he was a doctor because I could see he had a doctor's uniform on. And so they brought the doctors in, and she said she didn't recognize any of them. She said, no, none of you are the doctor I saw in my dream or my vision. And so as she was convalescing in hospital, she happened to come across a lady who had a kind of a painting or a portrait of Jesus in her room, and she got excited, and she said, that's the guy. That's the doctor right there. He's the one that visited me. Dr. Jesus still makes house calls. The great physician. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? Thank you, Lord. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's amazing. We, were, we had a, a bunch of conferences that we were doing in Crimea, and uh, one of our trainers, we were, these are training conferences for church planters and pastors, one of our trainers was a guy by the name of Phil. He was actually an Englishman who's now living in Canada. And at that time, he was working in Kuwait with a large uh, interdenominational team. And uh, he was one of our trainers, and he was telling us all kinds of stories about, uh, about uh, Muslim people having dreams of Isa. And he says, Greg, it's just no, it's no uh, uh, strange incident when people show up at the church and they say, Isa appeared to me last night in a dream and told me to come to this building to learn about him. And many other incredible things that God's doing. So it doesn't, you know, sometimes when we read the headlines, we might get a little discouraged about some of the, the difficulties that are going on in our world, but don't just read the headlines. You've got to see what's going on behind the headlines. And I'll tell you what, our God is on the move, and he's advancing his kingdom, and he wants to do it even more here in the cold lake. Amen? Amen. So anyway, so that's, oh, and the, when Tatars uh, come to Christ, entire families come to Christ. It's great. And here we are uh, Andre and uh, some of the others wrote baptizing entire families in the Black Sea. That's a nice place to get baptized. And let me tell you about another cool couple here. This next couple is um, some friends that I work with. This is Jim and Mari. They're part of my team and based in the UK. And this couple is, uh, uh, they could be retired and just enjoying life because they're well past 65 now. And they're out working in Crimea of all places. They're doing an English club there and extending God's kingdom. And I'll tell you what, there's, I don't think there's any retirement in the kingdom of God. So, uh, so let's get ready. God's got lots of work for us to do. And they're just a wonderful, wonderful couple. So, uh, of course, just one last thing to, uh, I want to leave a little prayer assignment uh, with you. You talked about taking uh, 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 shoeboxes out to Ukraine. That was, I totally endorse that because the, there, there's a lot of difficulties, especially in eastern Ukraine, some of the areas where we used to plant churches, we know of situations where, where people have been murdered for their faith. We know of one church, in fact, where some of these uh, radicals and separatists went into a, uh, into a church and hauled out the worship leader, the pastor's son. The pastor happened to be away, and two elders and murdered them in front of the congregation. So it's a lawless place right now. And although things have settled down there somewhat, can you please continue to pray for Ukraine and that whole area of eastern Ukraine, uh, the Lord does not, uh, does not delight in violence, and we want to come against a violent spirit that's come into that land. Okay, finally, let's move over to another huge nation. Now, this is a little challenge, because in spite of our political and geopolitical views, 
And obviously there's things happening in the world right now that we would highly question. We must remember that we need to see the nations the way Jesus sees them. And there's 142 million Russian people that need Jesus. And we have some amazing heroes working in this, great, uh, in this great land, and it's my privilege to work along with them. This is actually one of our, one of our global workers. This is uh, Janet and Ilya Bansev. Has anyone ever heard their name? There's some of our people working out in Siberia in a city called Novokuznetsk. And they're my dear friends. And, uh, you know, I love coming across uh, churches that have a vision to plant churches. In fact, I think it's a very normal thing, just as, uh, just as adults, uh, you know, as they grow up and they have babies, I think churches should have babies and plant other churches. Well, Ilya has a vision to plant not one church, not two churches, not 10 churches, not 20 churches. He has a vision to plant 200 churches over the next 20 years. Ladies, can you imagine having 200 babies? That's a lot of babies, right? That's a lot of babies. And so... And the cool thing is, is they're well on their way, and we're working with them in that project. This group of guys over here, I was out doing some church planter training with them a little while back. Many of these are future church planters, and many of those are actually Ilya's leadership team. Now, the reason I'm showing you this is for this reason. Almost every single person in that photo there has either come from a life of, uh, of addiction to drugs, alcohol, and many of them have been involved in the mafia. In fact, one of his key leaders there used to be a mafia hitman. And I'll tell you what, when Jesus comes and he gets a hold of someone's life and he radically, radically transforms them. I'm sure you know that because I'm sure many of you experience the same. But I'll tell you what, there it's black or white. There's very little lukewarm in between. When they get saved, they get radically saved. And some of them have come from some horrendous backgrounds. Many of these now are leading churches. Many others will be, will be planting churches. One young man there we've uh, sent out to another city of Tobolsk, and we set him up with a welding business so that he can actually support himself and build relationships in the community. That's a good way to go, don't you think? Yeah. All right. I'm not born with these stories. This is another, another young couple that came out of Ilias Church, and they have moved thousands and thousands of miles away to a city called Volgograd, which used to be called Stalingrad. Everybody recognize that name? You've ever seen the movie uh, Enemy at the Gates? That's a movie about the battle for Stalingrad, which uh, changed the course of the Second World War, and that city was absolutely leveled. And so uh, this couple... Uh, Dennis and Olya, they've moved thousands of miles away from their home city and from their family where they don't know anyone, and they've moved to this city to plant a new church. I'm going, wow, what faith, what courage. I can come alongside and help and support people like that. And so they're working in Volgograd, and we, we train our church planters to actually engage with their community. Just next slide there. To engage with their communities, not to... Uh, not to just hide in the buildings and expect people to come. We've got to get into the community. We've got to be salt and light. And again, I love what you're doing here in Cold Lake. I love the way that you're, you guys are bringing the kingdom and engaging with your community. That is just so awesome. And so um, they've got some youth clubs and sports centers going on. And this young man, the next slide, is a, is a, a young sportsman. And he's been working in the schools. He's actually a professional boxer. He's a small guy, but he's apparently a pretty good boxer. And he actually works with young people in the schools. And, of course, they told him now that he is no longer able to, to uh, share his faith there. And he always did that rather, uh, you know, in, in just kind of a discreet way. But now he actually has a dream of starting a church in a sports club. So he's going to get some, uh, we're going to help him actually get some, some equipment and rent a place and set up a little gymnasium right in the heart of the city. And all these young men that he's been discipling, they're going to come and use the sports club. He's going to disciple them, and they're going to have a church right in the middle of a sports club. How good is that? What do you think? It'd be great if we came in here and there's some weights and stuff lined up across the front. Hey, what do you think? Because we've got to be really, really creative to reach people for Christ. And I love it. You know, we serve, a, we serve a God who's so creative. And he gives us such freedom. 
You know, the message of the gospel is sacred, but the method is not. How we bring that, how we bring that message is not, uh, there's, there's no specific way, and God gives us incredible freedom. And what's next here? Oh, let me tell you about some other, again, we have the privilege of working all over Europe, and I have other associates that I'm assisting with projects in different nations, and I'll just tell you a little bit about what's happening in Italy. Any, do we have anyone with an Italian background? Let me see your hands. Oh, fantastic. How many Ukrainians here? Let me see your hands. Ukrainian background, Russian background. Let me see your hands. Okay, a few. Wonderful. And, uh, okay, great. And so anyway, we've, um, in, in Italy, this man, his, uh, his name is Salvador. Salvador is a former uh, mafia leader. And uh, he got saved, and now he has got a passion to see the kingdom of God absolutely transform his city of Naples. Naples is an absolute cesspool. I couldn't believe it. This, this major city in Western Europe, and there's just garbage everywhere. This, this area called Scampia is in the center of the city. It's about a million people, and it's absolutely infested with organized crime, drugs. It's kind of the center of crime in the city. And this former mafia men, member, uh, Salvador, he has a dream to see God's transforming power just visit the city and to see it transformed. And how many know that with God, that is absolutely possible? Amen? Amen. And he's seeing, uh, he's seeing great things happen. We showed up there earlier this year, and we had arrived, and uh, he had us in the hospital blessing some babies and then off to cast out some demons. So, you know, I said on the way, I hope these, uh, hope these uh, uh, Italian demons speak English. <laughs> anyway, he looked after it, and we just kind of prayed in the background. But he's just that kind of a guy. These are the heroes, the heroes that we get to, to work with. And let me tell you about one more hero. This guy's name is Voldemar. Voldemar is a German with a Russian background. He's grown up in Germany, and he and his wife Lily have planted not one church, not two churches in Germany. They've planted five churches. Now that is, if you understand the situation in Germany, that is remarkable. And so we're actually working with Voldemar to see many new churches established in Germany and throughout the Russian-speaking world. And so... Uh, We've been given a, uh, a building out there. The PAOC has been given a building that has been given for the purposes of training leaders and church planters. And we are believing that Voldemar is actually going to replicate himself in hundreds, hundreds of other leaders. And we have the privilege of working with him to see that happen. This is the building that we've been given. It's been uh, given to us uh, to, to become a training center and um, we're believing for hundreds, maybe even thousands of church planters over time to be trained up there. And in the short term, because of the crisis situation in, in um, uh, Europe right now, we're uh, talking to local government agencies about potentially using that to receive, to receive um, uh, Islamic refugees or, or Syrian refugees coming in. And we have a dream to see a new church established in that building. Wouldn't it be incredible if that church was actually established with former Muslim people? And so to see Jesus come and, and to change their lives. And so, so those are many of the projects that we are, have going on in Europe. Again, sometimes we don't think of Europe as a mission field, but I assure you it is probably one of the most spiritually needy places on the planet. And I'm going to show you a little video right now about the LifeSpring Center. And right after that, you're going to have an opportunity to sow in to the work that we're doing. The money that's given today actually doesn't come to me. It actually comes into the work that we're involved in. It allows us to find more Valdemars and more Dennises and more Ruslans and more Andres and to, and to train them and to resource them as they plant new churches all throughout Europe, because again, the solution to Europe's spiritual darkness is hundreds and thousands of dynamic Holy Ghost-filled churches. So as you watch this video, would you maybe just think about what would the Lord would have you to do in partnering with us or, or, or just sowing into Europe, being uh, perhaps one of those nations that, uh, that your ancestors came from? Let's watch this video. It was a dark, dark night. 
Okay, it looks like we're having some technical difficulties there. Well, I could act it out for you, I guess. <laughs> you see, there's this building, <laughs> and this guy praying. Is it going to work there, guys? Okay. Oh. <laughs> we'll, we'll take that as a prophetic word. <laughs> out of the mouths of babes, <laughs> the Lord speaks. Well, anyway, it's a, it's a great video, again, that just talked about the vision for this particular um, project. Again, it's a PAOC project. And uh, one of the things in this video that was particularly compelling, again, some of the, it, it talks about some of the statistics. And one of the, uh, the church planting director of the Pentecostal movement in Germany that we have the privilege of working, he's actually planting a church right now in Berlin. And he said... The area around Berlin is one of the most atheistic places on the planet. And 30% of Germans actually pride themselves in being considered as atheists. This is kind of the spiritual backdrop that we're working in. And so um, I don't think we're going to get that working. So um, maybe we could just have the ushers come. And we're going to take up this uh, mission offering. And um, if you came prepared today as uh, Pastor... Um, Hayward said, uh, just make your checks available or payable to the Cold Lake Community Church. And if you're, if you're not ready at this moment, I know that there's, you have other giving facilities at the back, right? What's that thing called? Was it? Action Central. Ooh, I like that. Action Central. And so I just want to thank you, first of all, for, uh, for sowing in to the work that we're involved in and uh, joining with us to see the, the darkness in Europe and to see that turned around and see the light of Christ absolutely flood that continent. How many could believe with me for that? You know, I probably could have picked a lot of easier areas to work in the world. <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, I mean, Europe, again, the ground is, is a bit spiritually hard. But, you know, when the Lord tells us to do something, we need to be obedient. And again, now one guy I didn't mention, one of the church planters that we worked with a number of years ago in Poland, he now, not only has he raised up a thriving church in Poland, it has the same kind of atmosphere that this church does. Now, he's actually starting a church planting movement called 700 Towns, 700 Miast. And his dream is to see churches established in 700 towns throughout Poland where there are no evangelical churches. No places where people can go to really hear the gospel. So this young man, not only has he planted a church, but now he has a dream to see 700 others. And he's actually beginning a church planting movement in Poland. And so these, again, are the people that we have the privilege. So, Father, thank you so much, Lord, for this church I love the atmosphere here, Father. I, Lord, I love that what you're doing here. And I thank you, Father, just for their love for the nations of Europe. And, Lord, the gifts that are given today, I pray, Father, that you truly do multiply them for your work, Lord. It's your work. You've called us to declare the good news of the kingdom of God in every nation. And so, Lord, I thank you for the privilege that we get to be a part of what you're doing in the earth in 2015. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much. I greatly, greatly appreciate uh, um, the opportunity to, um, to tell you what we're doing and to give you an opportunity to join with us. Again, if you're, if you're not ready or you didn't come prepared, you can visit Action Central afterwards, and we would be so very, very grateful for your help at this time. I'm very, very grateful to you, Hayward, and to Lance for allowing me to come and to share. One last thing, if you're interested in getting any updates on our ministry, I've got a sign-up sheet. They're just laying on the front bench here or right here. Just come and stick your name and email address, and we'll let you know about what's happening in Europe. Oh, we got the video. Do you know what? I think we'll just pass on the video because I got, I got a little word I want to share with you. You know, having lived in Cold Lake many years ago, and at that time I was kind of a, of a, um, of a definitely a, a very good sinner, like I was good at it. I had practiced. <laughs> and uh, even as I was driving around last night, I was thinking of all the times I, you know, was doing bad things, and I was driving, yeah, anyway, I won't go there. <laughs> I'm just so grateful, so grateful that Jesus got a hold of my life. 
And that little slide there really does kind of summarize things. You know, when, when Paul was on his missionary journey throughout Asia and they had the Macedonian vision. Of course, Macedonia is in Europe and it was like, uh, like this person was saying, come over to Europe and help. And uh, we need to do that. We need to do that. Anyway, let me just take a few more minutes. I know it's getting a little bit late, but I want to leave you with a devotional thought this morning. Is that okay? A devotional thought. And I probably, I'm probably preaching to the choir this morning, so I won't have to go in. I can, I can preach fast because you probably already believe what I'm going to tell you. But I want to share some stories. And um, if I was to give this um, message a title, this devotional title, I would call it Thy Kingdom Come, of course, from the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. And um, what I'd like to do this morning is I want to tell you what, I want to tell you a little bit of some of the things we actually train our church planters to do. And so I'm actually going to give, take a page right out of our training manual and give it to you today because we're actually all missionaries, right? I mean, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not a missionary per se. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm working in the nations, but every one of us, we are all called to advance God's kingdom. I'm no different than you, other than I just have to be working in some, some really crazy nations. And so I don't know if you've ever had a, a day when your faith has been a little bit low. Anyone like that? Let me just see your hands. Absolutely. You know, we all have days where our faith is up and our faith is down. And um, if that happens to you, well, you're in pretty good company because even John the Baptist had a bad day one day. He's actually languishing in jail. And, and again, in the interest of time, I'm just going to uh, paraphrase what he's saying. And so John's wondering, he's going, my goodness, you know, he said, here I am, I've announced the forerunner of the Christ and, and this one who is to come and set captive people free, and here I am in jail. And he's wondering, I wonder if Jesus really was, is he really the Christ? So he sends some of his people to, to talk to Jesus and ask him this question, are you the one who was to come or should we expect another? And I love the way Jesus responds to him. I mean, Jesus could have just said, yes, I'm the one. But instead, what he does is he actually says, well, go back and report to John what you see. The blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, the dead are raised. Happy is anyone who believes in me or doesn't stumble as a res- because of me. And so Jesus is saying, yes, yes, I am the one, but I love the way he says yes. Because what he did is he actually quoted Isaiah 35, which was a messianic scripture that talked about the coming of the kingdom of God. And Jesus basically said, yes, not only am I the Messiah, but I am actually bringing the kingdom of God by the very signs, by the very things that I do. And of course, I believe that uh, this church understands that. And, and in another passage, he's having an argument with some, uh, in fact, just in the next chapter, in chapter 12, he's having an argument with some Pharisees. He's just healed a man who was, uh, uh, who was demon-possessed, and he was both blind and mute. And uh, they didn't understand what he was doing. And so guess what they did? They blamed it on the devil. Isn't that something, eh? That sometimes when the Holy Spirit moves powerfully and people don't understand it, sometimes they they, they, they accuse or, or they blame and say, well, it must be the devil. And that's what, the, that's what these Pharisees did. And Jesus makes this amazing statement. He says, behold, if I cast out demons by the power of God, by the Spirit of God, then behold, the kingdom of God has come upon you. Now, did Jesus cast out demons by the Spirit of God? Absolutely. And by his own words, he says, behold, the kingdom of God has come upon you. And so we understand that we are living in days and and have been for the last 2,000 years where God has been advancing his kingdom throughout the earth. We know that there is yet a future eschatological fulfillment where Jesus will come and, and he will absolutely establish his literal visible reign. But even now, his kingdom is going forth. His kingdom is going forth. And I, I suspect I'm preaching to the choir here. So that's okay. Everyone believes that? That God's kingdom is actually going forth? In Russia, in Ukraine, in Cold Lake, Alberta. Behold, Cold Lake, the kingdom of God has come upon you. So nice to stand here and say that some 40 years later. Because I was serving another kingdom back then. But we serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he's advancing his kingdom now. What does that mean for you and me? That's what I want to talk to you about this morning. I don't have a lot of time, 
But I want to leave you with a thought today because I believe that Jesus wants to absolutely transform this city. He wants his, his spirit to come and to visit Coal Lake in new and fresh ways. And guess who he's going to do that through? <laughs> through you, through this church and others. And um, in Luke chapter 9, Jesus calls the 12 and he sends them out. And the Bible says that he gave them power and authority to drive out demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to do what? To plant churches? No. He sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and heal the sick. That's, those were their marching orders. So he sent the 12 out and he gave them those marching orders. Then in the next chapter, in Luke chapter 10, we see that he's, the Scripture says that he chose 72 others. Some Bible says 70, but he chose 72 others. And he sent them out two by two ahead of them to every town and place where he was going. And he effectively gave them the same message. He said, heal the sick people wherever you go and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you or the kingdom of God has come upon you. That was the, effectively gave them the same marching orders that he gave to the 12. And he must have told them to cast out demons too because in, the, in Luke chapter 10 verse, I forgot my glasses here, in uh, 17 and 20 it says, the 72 returned with joy and they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us. I can, just, can you just imagine being there? I can imagine them coming back and going, wow, this is fantastic. Even the demons submit to us. This is great. This is great. And then Jesus cautions them and says, well, you know, don't, don't uh, get too excited about that. Be more excited about the fact that your names are actually written in heaven. But I love this statement. Jesus, oh, actually, just go back. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And then he makes this amazing statement. He says, I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. And then he went on to talk about rejoicing that their names are written in heaven. Jesus said, I give you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Fantastic. Okay, I got a test for you now. I got a test for you. Are you ready? In Luke chapter 9, when he sent out the 12, do we know the names of the 12? Do we know the names? How many say yes? Let me see your hands. <laughs> you're, you're worried I'm going to ask you, right? I promise I'm not going to ask you. <laughs> I probably can't remember the 12 myself. But, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was uh, I was going to say Luke and Mark. No, they weren't there. It was James and John and Simon and Philip and Andrew and all the big guys, the 12 that spent all that time with, with uh, Jesus. Okay. How about in Luke chapter 10? Do we know their names? How many say yes? How many say no? All right, I think the no's have it. Actually, I actually know their names. I've done some research. Would you like to know their names? Here's their names. Okay? Their names were Steve, Bill, Susan, Heather, Glenn, Jerry, Diane, Dave, Mike, Kathy, Daniel, Sam, and all those other good Canadian names. You understand what I'm saying, right? In other words, there were 72 other disciples, just ordinary disciples, just like you and me. They didn't even get their name in the book. They didn't even get their name in the book. Maybe one, of the, one day when we're in heaven together, we'll actually meet them, and, we'll, and they'll say, hey, I was one of the 72. Man, didn't even get my name in the book. <laughs> they were 72 ordinary, normal disciples just like you and me and what did jesus say to them he said i give you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy nothing will harm you in fact i believe the holy spirit says that to us today every blood-bought anointed christian which is every one of you if you know jesus you have the spirit of god living in you and that mandate still applies. I believe the Holy Spirit speaks to us today and he says, I've given you authority. I've given you authority. I've given you authority. 
I've given you authority. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. And then in the next verse, I just, oh man, this is one of my favorite passages. It says, at that time, Jesus was full of joy through the Holy Spirit. He said, Father, I thank you. Heaven, Lord of heaven and earth, I thank you that you've hidden these things from the wise and the learned, but you've revealed them to little children. Jesus is full of joy through the Holy Spirit. That's a lot of joy. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been in a, in a service where people got hit uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit and they just laugh. We call it holy laughter. I just love that. I was in a service one time and... and um, Hayward, I don't know if you know, but I, uh, I have the actual spiritual gift of nosiness. Do you know that was a gift? I'm, I'm, I'm nosy. And so when I see God doing something in people's lives, I go and I talk to them and say, what did Jesus do? And I get some great stories. I want to encourage you to do that. So anyway, I was in a service one time where people were getting hit with holy laughter and the and, um, presence of God was just amazing. And I went up to this guy, this one guy, he got hit with laughter. He laughed for three hours straight. And, I, and, like, it wasn't just a little laugh. I mean, he was down on the ground. He was laughing. He was convulsing. He was laughing so hard. And I went up to him afterwards. I said, what happened to you? He said, I don't know. He said, I came today. And he said, I've been struggling with clinical depression. I've just been, I've just been so depressed. And he said, and something just hit me. And I, I laughed. And he said, now it's gone. It's gone. I'm free. Beautiful, beautiful. I love when the Holy Spirit can do more in a short time than what, psychologists can do, you know, in over years. So Jesus, I don't know if Jesus got hit with holy laughter, but he was full of joy through the Holy Ghost. Full of joy through the Holy Spirit. That's a lot of joy. Why? It says, because Father, I thank you revealed, or that you hidden these things from wise and learned, and you revealed them to little children. Who's he talking about? Exactly. He's talking about those 72 that went out and did all these incredible things in his name. Those were his kids, his spiritual children. And he was full of joy when they were doing exactly the same things he was doing. Now, for all of us who have children, it's always a great joy when we see our children trying to imitate us, right? You know, when they're little kids and they put on their mom's or their dad's shoes or their parents' garments and obviously way, way too big for them. And, and doesn't it bring joy to your heart? Does it bring joy to your heart? Absolutely. When we see our children imitating us and doing the right things. But it even is more joyful when they actually grow up and they follow in our ways and they love God and they serve Him with all of their heart. And you know, when we do the things that Jesus did, it still brings joy to His heart. It still brings great joy. When we, when we actually believe, we go out into our city and we pray for people and we bless them and, and we share God's love and we pray for them, we see them get healed, you know it still brings the same joy to Jesus that it did back then. In fact, I know firsthand, just about done here, I'm sorry, I've just gone a little bit over. I know firsthand because my son, my youngest son, all three of my children are serving the Lord, and my youngest son is actually down at the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry in Redding, California. And uh, his life has just been absolutely transformed. He's in his second year there now. And uh, he's, I, I went to visit him in April of this year, earlier this year. And he had just come back from a mission trip to Portland, Oregon. He was a little disappointed that he chose to go to Portland because he thought, well, all the miracles happen in Mexico and uh, those other places. But he said, Dad, it was amazing. We were praying for people on the streets, and we were seeing God heal people right on the streets, people that didn't even know Jesus. We saw lumps from people's body just disappear. God was giving words of knowledge, and my goodness, he's just absolutely on fire for God. And while I was staying with him, I stayed in the residence uh, in, in, the, uh, in the, the local dormitory there, and so I would have breakfast with the students, and every morning I would say, guys, tell me what's Jesus been doing in your life this year? What's the most exciting thing you've seen? Oh, I heard some great stories, amazing stories. I'm just going to share one with you because of time. There was a young man there from Australia. His name was, was um, Matthew. And I said, Matthew, what's been the most exciting thing that happened to you this year? In this, in this great Australian accent, which I can't imitate very well, he says, oh, mate, he says, that's, that's easy. He says, it was uh, our mission trip down to Guatemala. And I said, well, what happened? 
He said, well, we went down on mission trip, and we went into the city square, and when we went in there, I just said, Lord, what do you want us to do? He said, I felt the Holy Spirit say, draw a circle on the pavement and, and just announce to the people in this city that anyone that needs healing, just come and stand in the circle and, I'm gonna, and pray for them, and I'm going to heal them. And so Matt, with, I'm thinking to myself, oh, my goodness, I wouldn't have the courage to do that. Hayward, would you have the courage to do that? <laughs> I don't Whoa. And so anyway, that's what he did. He's obedient. He draws a circle on the, on the square. He gets on the loudspeaker and he says, uh, hello, we're a group of uh, students from a church up in the, the U.S. and we love Jesus and Jesus loves you and he loves this town and he told us to tell you that if there's anyone that needs to be healed, come and stand in the circle and we're going to pray for you and Jesus is going to heal you. I'm going, wow, that's faith. That's going out on a limb. One of the first people, I don't know if it was the first person or one of the first persons that came forward, was led forward, was a, a guy who was obviously blind. And they led him forward to the circle, and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, if it had been me, I would have said, uh, excuse me, can we maybe start, anyone with a headache? How about maybe a sore knee? Let's start with a sore knee. We'll kind of work up to the blind guy. What do you think? <laughs> And so, uh, anyway, they brought this uh, blind guy forward. Now, Matthew's describing this to me. He says, Greg, I could tell he was blind because he had a great big milky white cataract over one eye, and on the other eye was clearly deformed. So he was obviously blind. And so we were just obedient. We laid hands on him. We said, in the name of Jesus Christ, you be healed. Be healed in the name of Jesus. He said, Greg, I wish you could have been there with me. He said, Greg, we watched as that cataract began to dissolve right before our eyes, and then it just fled to the outside of his eye. <laughs> Fantastic. And then this guy puts his hand over his cataract eye, the eye that had the cataract. He says, I can see, I can see. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm getting... He said, I can see, I can see. Then he puts his hand over the cataract eye, and he says, I can even see out of my bad eye, not 100%. He said, but I don't have an optic nerve in that eye. Yeah! Wow! I mean, they've seen incredible miracles. They've seen miracles of, of uh, you know, metal plates and stuff. God just dissolved them and, and taken them out of, out of uh, people's uh, uh, bodies. And the uh, and thing is, he wants to do that in Coal Lake. How many believe that? How many believe that? And the good news is he wants to do it through you and me. If you're waiting for some great healing evangelist to come in, I am sorry to disappoint you. No one's coming. It's you. It's you. He said, I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power of the evil one. The message is still the same. The mandate hasn't changed. Go and declare the good news of the kingdom of God and heal sick people and drive out demons. Proclaim the good news. It's, the, the mandate's still the same. In fact, when I'm working with our church planters, I often say to them, okay, can anyone find a passage of Scripture where it commands us to go and plant churches? Of course, there is none. Right? No, what the Scripture tells us to do is go make disciples of all nations, go proclaim the kingdom of God, and heal sick people. And as we do that, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not stop it. Sometimes we get it backwards and we think it's our job to build the church. It's not. It's our job to take his presence with us wherever we go into the marketplace, into our schools. Every place that we are in this city, we take his presence. We get out of the building, we go into the schools, we take the presence, and I know this church believes that. I'm just, I'm just kind of uh, encouraging you in that today. And this place will be packed out on Sunday four or five times. Not, and that's not the reason we do it. We're not trying to grow a big church. We're trying to see Cold Lake, the kingdom of God, come to Cold Lake. Behold, Cold Lake, the kingdom of God has come upon you. The kingdom of God has come upon you. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Why don't you stand? Thank you, Lord. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Father, what a privilege it is for me to be back here in this city where I actually went to high school. 
It's taken a long time, but Lord, I'm so grateful to be here this morning, and, and Lord, just encouraging my brothers and sisters that you want to move through them in remarkable ways, remarkable ways. Hey, can we just have the worship team uh, come up if we could? Just play something quietly. Father, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you're going to do. Lord, I thank you for what you've already done. Lord, just to see the, the freedom and the atmosphere in this house, it's so encouraging. And I pray, Lord, that there is a much, much, much more yet for them, Lord. I pray, Father, Lord, for just an outpouring, an outpouring of your Spirit, not just in this house, but, Lord, everywhere they go, into their schools, into their into the marketplace, into the, into the places where they work and where they shop. I pray, Lord, we will carry your presence. And, Lord, we will be obedient to you when you speak and say, go and pray for that person. Go and bless that person. Just go and tell them how much I love them. I pray, Lord of oh God, for a new anointing of obedience. A new anointing of obedience, Lord, that we would just respond to that still, small voice that says, go. Go, declare the good news of the kingdom of God. Heal the sick. Cast out devils. And rejoice that your name is written in heaven. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Holy Community Church, a place where families come together.